0: Welcome to the Camden Nazarene podcast. Camden Nazarene is an established church with a fresh vision located at 2276 Jefferson Davis Highway in Camden, South Carolina. We gather for worship each Sunday at 1040 a.m. And you're invited to be our guest this Sunday. All right, good morning, everybody. It's a beautiful South Carolina morning and we're glad to be here today. And as I look around these beautiful grounds and uh, see the neatly cut grass and the well-kept shrubbery, it, uh, it occurs to me that I, I need to make a confession to you today. And maybe you, you might think a little less of me for this, I don't know, but I have to confess to you today that I hate yard work. I mean, I really do. I don't mind cutting the grass, amen to that. I don't mind cutting the grass, that's okay, but man, I hate to rake leaves. I hate to to trim shrubs and stuff like that. And, And the worst thing of all is pulling weeds. I hate kneeling down in the grass, in the garden, what have you, and sorting out and trying to pull the weeds up out of the ground. Well, in today's passage... Some servants of the landowner come to report that there are weeds among the wheat. And they want to know that if they should go out into the field and and weed it out, go and pull all those weeds up. And the landowner says to them, "No. We'll handle that later." That's probably what I would have said too, but for a different reason. The landowner is concerned about the wheat, and I just take yard work. But as you might guess, this parable isn't really about yard work or farming, it's about the kingdom of God. In fact, the purpose of this parable is to give us some insight into what the kingdom of God is like. So let's look at what Jesus says. Our passage for this morning comes from Matthew chapter 13. We'll be beginning at verse 24. Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 24. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you might root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters. First, collect the weeds and tie them into bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. It's the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are thankful for your word to us today. We pray that you would take it and apply it to your heart, our hearts, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, may it examine our hearts and our minds to see if there be anything that is contrary to your will. And may we be quick to repent and make correction. And now may the words of my mouth. And the meditations of all of our hearts be found pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen and amen. So, in this parable, a very sneaky enemy sabotages this man's field. The landowner's response, to, and the landowner's response to all, is, all of this is that, "Well, we'll just sort it out later." But what does it all mean? Well, we don't have to wonder too much. Because later, Jesus explains to his disciples what it all means. And by extension, explains it to us. If you just move down to verse 36, it says, He left the crowd and went into the house. The disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are... The angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun. In the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus' explanation here acknowledges the current reality that we're living in, while at the same time, he is pointing us to a better future reality. The weeds are in the field, but one day, They won't be. One day, things will be set right. Now, weeds among the wheat, that is less than God's ideal for us. But it is the reality that we, as humans, have chosen. It is the reality of this age. Wheat and weeds, good and evil. Truth and lies, life and death are all growing up together in this world, but will one day be separated. We read that the enemy came and sowed weeds in the field. That kind of sounds like what happened in the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? You remember that story from Genesis? You remember that God created an ideal place for Adam and Eve to live? With a tree in the center, and all they had to do was not eat from that tree. To not eat from the the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the enemy came and manipulated them, and they. They chose to disobey God. They chose it freely. They ate of the fruit. And sin entered the world. That is the point when sin entered the world and the world fell. And became this broken place that we now experience. Literally the first time we hear about weeds is after the fall. They're part of how... Even the earth is subjected to the consequences of sin. It's part of how life is going to be different outside of the garden. You recall that after Adam and Eve were confronted with their disobedience in the garden, the Lord said to Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow will you eat your food until you return to the ground, for from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. That's why the weeds stand for things that aren't good. The children of the evil one, the text says. But I think that we could also safely say sin. Sin and those who perpetuate it and the systems that enable it. And Jesus is serious about sin. It is an affront to him. And not simply because it's against the rules God hasn't just made up arbitrary rules that we're supposed to follow our faith is based on relationship it's not based on rules no sin is an affront to God because it hinders love it distorts every good gift that God has given us and it has caused incalculable pain in this world So please, do not confuse Jesus' atonement for sin with acceptance of sin. Jesus said in Luke 17, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck, and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Now that's serious. Jesus has a serious attitude about sin. In fact, sin is so serious that one day God is going to remove it and everything that causes it from his creation completely. But not yet. Right now, we live in a world where sin and temptations to sin exist. In the terms of this parable, it is a weedy world that we live in. But don't get me wrong. The world is good. God made it good. It is filled with the evidence of God's creative power and goodness. It is overflowing with God's grace and is governed by God's mercy. But it has been broken by sin and all of the consequences of sin. And those weeds of sin grow side by side together with the wheat scattered about this field that should yield a rich harvest of wheat to make bread. And other good stuff like pasta and donuts are weeds. Weeds that make the field less than it should be. And that's exactly what sin does it hinders, it entangles us, it causes us to stumble. It hinders our relationship with God. It dulls our love for God. And it keeps us from being everything God intends for us to be. And not only that, sin is a blot on God's good creation. So, you might ask then, well, why doesn't He just get rid of sin? sinful people sinful systems and temptations to sin why doesn't he just get rid of it all right now and the answer to that is mercy God waits for the sake of the wheat or the righteous and he waits for the sake of the weeds or the wicked he waits for the sake of his followers because in some way that we can't explain here, that isn't explained to us, it would cause a disruption that would be bad for us. But God also waits out of mercy for the sake of the weeds. Because in a manner of speaking, God's grace, by God's grace, weeds can become wheat. Now this parable doesn't say that, But 2 Corinthians 5.17 does. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. But we know that weeds can't become wheat. Not literally. But the gospel does tell us that sinners can become saints. In fact, the only way that we can be saved is by being born anew. We must be be recreated. In a sense, we are all born weeds. And we cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we are born again. We must be transformed by the grace of God from the inside out. And a change then happens within us that is so profound and so significant... But Jesus says it's like being born all over again. So out of his mercy, God waits. Just as it says in Second Peter three nine, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. So out of mercy, he waits. Now this passage also clearly points to the inescapable reality of judgment. We can see what happens to the weeds in the wheat. Or more clearly, to the children of the evil one and the children of the kingdom. And we should take heed. And as followers of Jesus, we need to know that our hope is focused on the harvest. We are eager for the day of the Lord's appearing when he will make all things new. But in the meantime, how do we live as children of the kingdom in a fallen and broken world. A world shot through with the weeds of sin. Well, here are a few ideas. First, we leave the business of the judgment of individuals to God. While we must be able to identify sin and avoid it in our own lives, the business of labeling people wheat or weeds belongs to God, who alone knows the heart. As Paul says in Romans 13, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Next, we should not be surprised when the weeds get into everything and grow persistently. This last week when we were on vacation visiting my sister and my parents in Springfield, we visited a, a beautiful park, a beautiful riverside park with a, with a walkway that wound its way through different kinds of gardens that had been planted. There was a, an oriental garden, a butterfly garden, a rose garden, and other different kinds of of gardens and also things that children could could play on. A beautiful park. But as I looked at these different gardens that were planted around the park, I did notice that even these professionally maintained gardens produced some weeds. That there was weeds among the flowers. That there were some weeds in these Beautiful gardens. Even though these were very good and beautiful things, the weeds still found a way in there. Here's what you need to know every human endeavor or institution, no matter how noble, has been and is affected by sin. And why is that? Because the scriptures tell us. That the human heart is desperately wicked and beyond comprehension. That's how a righteous cause like justice for everybody can devolve into rioting and looting. It's because of sin. And that's also how hate can creep into our hearts towards people that we don't even know. Or whole categories of people we only see in the news or read about on social media. It's sin in our hearts that does that to us. And we must be constantly on our guard against that in our own lives. And to seek to mit- mitigate its effects in the world. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So we must always be careful about what's going on in our hearts. Also, because we live in a sinful world, we will often find that our views are out of favor with the majority. We will find that celebrities... And sports figures and the news media and even the government will sometimes tell us that what we believe is wrong. And that even some of the things that we say are hate speech. Don't despair. This sort of thing is bound to happen as the church lives out its call to be a peculiar people, citizens of another kingdom and servants of a different Lord. Yet even in the midst of all of this, the Lord promises to be with us. And so we heed God's call to be faithful even to the point of death that we might receive a crown of life. Next, we need to be aware that Living in a sinful world will tempt us. It will tempt us. Many of the things that the world offers are alluring: power, prestige, wealth, the unbridled pursuit of fleshly desires. But sin always overpromises and underdelivers. In fact, the fully ripened fruit of sin is only it is only death destruction and pain there's no escaping that the good news however is that god's god promises that the temptations that we face will never be more than we can handle paul writes that no temptation has seized you except what is common to man and god is faithful He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way of escape so that you can stand up under it. So if you're tempted, always look for that way of escape. The Lord promises that He'll provide it. And finally... The final thing that we need to remember as we live in this weedy world, this world that is fallen, broken, and sinful, is that we should not despair or be overwhelmed by the fact that this world is broken. Because Jesus has overcome the world, and in Him, so can we. The Scriptures tell us to... Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so that is what we do. We shouldn't waste our time cursing the darkness. Instead, we light a candle. So we overcome evil with good by loving God, by loving each other, by loving our enemies, And even by praying for our persecutors. And we mitigate the effects of sin in this world by our faithfulness. By showing unusual kindness to others. By helping those in need. And by protecting the vulnerable. And of course, the greatest act of love is to share the good news of Jesus Christ in a broken and fallen world. To give hope to the hopeless and to shine light in the darkness. So, friends, the bottom line is this. Sin is with us in this age. As long as we live or until Jesus comes. That's the bad news. The good news, however is that God has given us everything that we need to have victory over it and to live the godly life that He has called us to even in the midst of it. So do not despair, my brothers and sisters. Do not despair. The victory has been won. The victory over sin has been won for this life and for the next. And one day, we will all be gathered in the kingdom of God, where there is no sin or death, and hopefully, no yard work either. May the Lord bless you. Amen.